Hi, my name is Stu Jackson, and I'll be your host of this new podcast called Everything Basketball, where we will talk about issues uh, in the NBA, uh, throughout college basketball, and basketball throughout the world. Originally, I'd planned to begin the podcast after the first week of the NBA season, but there was an incident last night that I thought was worth addressing and talking about. And the incident I'm talking about is the fight that occurred last night in the Houston Rockets at Los Angeles Lakers game involving Rajon Rondo, Chris Paul, and Brandon Ingram. Before we talk about the actual fight, I thought it was worth uh, looking at uh, really what led up to the fight. Um, just before the 4:13 mark in the fourth period, Brandon Ingram was whistled for a foul against James Harden. After Harden was barreling down the floor with the basketball, Ingram bumps James Harden uh, before Harden began his shooting motion at the rim, and a one-shot foul was called. Uh, why is that important? Because subsequent to that, after the foul was called, James Harden walked towards the referee, Jason Phillips, to plead his case that the foul actually should have been an and one after he made the basket. As he walked by Brandon Ingram, Ingram again, out of frustration, pushed James Harden. At that point, the official Jason Phillips administered a technical foul to Brandon Ingram, rightfully so. And then Ingram did something that you rarely see in that he quickly approached and almost ran towards and ran down referee Phillips and got in his face, for lack of a better term. What should have happened at that point is referee Phillips should have ejected Brandon Ingram immediately for his second technical foul and ejected him at that point. That didn't happen. But in the heat of battle, sometimes those decisions that have to occur very quickly by an official somehow get lost. It happens. We're all human. What followed after that Lance Stevens correctly came in and grabbed Brandon Ingram in an effort to get him away from the referee Jason Phillips. Then something else happened at the same time. About the same time, Rajon Rondo and Chris Paul were standing toe-to-toe, seemingly jawing at one another. There were some words exchanged. We don't know yet whether or not, as alleged, Rajon Rondo spit on Chris Paul or what happened. But Jason Phillips, recognizing that the two players were in confrontation immediately, and you can watch this on the video, steps back and gives both players a technical foul. 
When he stepped back at that point, whether there was spit exchanged or not, it appears that Chris Paul pokes Rajon Rondo in the face area and Rondo then retaliates by throwing a punch and then Paul retaliates back to him, you know, landing some punches of his own um, that connect. Phillips steps in quickly to grab Rajon Rondo after this confrontation, but then quickly releases him because he recognizes other players are coming in to the fray and that by continuing to hold Rondo, he puts him in danger. So he then steps back. As he begins to step back, then the other players from each team then go at the two players, Rondo and Paul, that is. And those players correctly go and grab um, members of their other team. In other words, the Lakers went and grabbed Chris Paul and the Rockets went and grabbed Rajon Rondo. And that's standard practice and what coaches usually teach players because you don't want to hold your own player in an altercation because you put him in danger um, to be further assaulted. So that was actually good practice. So the players come in, they break up the fight, seemingly break up the fight as peacemakers. And peacemakers are players that go into an altercation that don't have any any intention of escalating the altercation. But at that point, we did have an escalator. And it was Brandon Ingram, once again, who came into the fray over the top and appears to take a punch at Chris Paul. Well, from that point on, um, you you saw what happened. Um, The the altercation was then quickly broken up. Uh, Things began to settle. Uh, You can see on the video, Rajon Rondo then immediately leaves the floor, uh, smartly leaves the floor. The referees review the incident. The net result was there were two technical fouls on Ingram. He was ejected. One technical foul each on Rondo and Chris Paul. They were both ejected. You know, oftentimes when you have these altercations, uh, when I was the executive vice president of basketball operations at the NBA, I was often asked, and even after the NBA, I'm often asked, what happens next? You know, how are these altercations, you know, reviewed and broken down? And ultimately, how does the league office decide on how to dole out penalties for the players or the teams? Well, what happens is this. The league office reviews, you know, all the material that they can gather. First, they'll have a staff member in NBA basketball operations provide a written account of exactly what happened after that staffer reviews the video. And listen, it could be the video on TV. It can be a video that is taken from the sideline on a handheld handheld camera because the NBA has access to every angle of an altercation and typically they'll use every angle that they have in an effort to try and piece together 
exactly what happened on the floor. As part of that account, or that chronological account, uh, they'll identify for the rest of the league office which of the game participants need to be interviewed. And that usually includes the referees first, who they typically interview first, and then they'll identify the players involved in the altercation to both allow them to give their account of what happened and also as a matter of due process. The people that interview the referees and the players are NBA security. And the NBA has NBA security personnel that are well-versed in questioning or interrogating, if you will, when it's needed, the game participants in an effort to try and drill down as to what actually happened during the incident. Now listen, the accounts given by the referees, you can pretty much take to the bank. They're just going to tell NBA security exactly what happened. But in the case of the players, it has been my experience, you will get varying descriptions or accounts of what actually happened on the floor. So when all those interviews are complete, they, the NBA league office that is, will put together a package of information that will include the chronological account of what happened. Secondly, all the video evidence that they have. Thirdly, all the interviews, the script of the interviews that they've gathered. And then lastly, any other outside information that may be pertinent to the altercation that they feel might be useful. And it could be some media accounts, uh, perhaps a media member heard something, saw something that wasn't on video. Um, it may be information that they've gathered from the respective team's general managers, both of whom undoubtedly will call the league office in an effort to gain favor and provide information on behalf of their player in an effort to you know, lessen a potential penalty that they know is coming down the pike when players take a swing. Because when you take a swing, it's an automatic one-game suspension. So by the general managers calling the league office, they're just trying to mitigate or reduce uh, the penalty by providing supportive information on behalf of their player. So you have all this information, the account, the video, the interviews, it's outside information, it's packaged, it's distributed internally within the NBA, including, you know, the legal department, including, you know, the media or communications department, and then there'll be a meeting. Particularly in this case, that meeting is very important because the NBA, as a matter of policy, always hands out potential suspensions prior to the players involved playing one more game. In other words, they don't let games go by before they announce the penalties as they do, say, in baseball or that occurs in the NFL. So in this case, the Houston Rockets are actually playing tonight on Sunday. So 
the decision on what has to happen in this altercation needs to be handed out today. So the, by having a mass meeting or a conference call, that can help expedite the decision-making process, which ultimately is made by Adam Silver. So only having a one-day turnaround, quite frankly, just based on my experience, it, that's really, really tough. So I suspect people at the league office are really scrambling today, trying to come up with a recommendation on the outcome of this incident and assess all the information available. So how do they arrive at what the penalties will be for Ingram, Paul, and Rondo? Well, usually... You base penalties or the number of games that these players will be suspended, and they will be suspended. You base those penalties on the merits of the information that you have and also previous incidents and the penalties that were given during those previous incidents. And also what comes into account is whether or not a given player has engaged in this type of behavior before. And in this case, you know, all three players don't have a long history. Certainly Brandon Ingram doesn't because he hasn't been in the the league that long. But all three players don't have a history of being in fights and ultimately getting um, suspended. Uh, Rajon Rondo has, but that was very a lot of years ago. But at the end of the day, they'll meet based on the merits, based on the information, based on prior incidents, And based on the level of penalty in those incidents, Adam Silver will have to make a final decision. Now, if I can editorialize, if I had to handicap, uh, in this case, what the decision will be, it's not as obvious as you would think it is. I mean, all of these incidents are different. And the reason that you get so many different departments within the NBA involved in providing input into these decisions is that there are a lot of bases to cover with respect to providing Adam Silver with all the information so that he can make the best business decision. You know, on one hand, you have the basketball operations department. They can provide, you know, the video and the past incidents and what the NBA has done before. And they'll come in, you know, very strongly and say, look, this player should be suspended this number of games. But there are other factors involved here. The legal department may have a little different angle. They are the primary uh, people that deal with the players union. So there's a little bit of a political consideration that has to be given with respect to, um, you know, what that penalty ultimately is. You know, is it too severe? Is it not enough? And they have to calibrate that and will offer, you know, their input from that perspective. And then Adam Silver has to take all of this information and really make a decision that he thinks is the best business decision. And that's where this time it gets a little bit dicey because the NBA, I cannot remember, not that my memory is all that great, I cannot remember the last time the NBA had a violent incident like this where multiple players were involved throwing multiple punches that actually landed. 
So, be, and it hasn't happened in a long time because this type of violence on the court had essentially been minimized, almost eliminated from the NBA. And we all remember some of the horror stories, you know, back in the early 2000s with the malice in the palace. And, you know, even prior to that, you know, you know, bad fights. But when the NBA began to uh, increase the severity of the penalties and increase the number of games of suspension of players... Uh, players became hesitant and didn't engage in that type of behavior. But here we are today dealing with one of these incidents that we got in the early 2000s. The last thing Adam Silver wants to do is allow violence to creep back into the game. I mean, listen, we're in an era here where the NBA basketball may be at an all-time high in terms of its popularity and we truly are in the golden age and the last thing that you want is something on the court to compromise you know the popularity of the game the brand of the game or the way that fans look at the game so because this incident an incident like this has not happened in a long time adam silver may look at this as an opportunity to send a message to you know, NBA players that N- the NBA will not tolerate this type of behavior on the floor as to not damage its brand and also to keep players on the floor safe. If the NBA doesn't come down with a heavy penalty on all three of these players, I think a couple things will happen. Rajon Rondo, Chris Paul, they'll look at themselves and go, hmm, okay, it wasn't like this in the old days. But I think the more important piece here is Brandon Ingram, who hasn't been in the NBA very long, nor are the players in his generation, you know, under the age of 25. And I think here's an opportunity to send a message to those players just how much the NBA will not tolerate, you know, violence in the game and how much they care about the safety of all 450 players. Because look, when you're penalizing NBA players, and I used to tell players this frequently, when I had to call them and communicate their penalty or suspension, I would often say, listen, this, please don't take this personal. This really is not about you. And I know that's a difficult concept for players to understand or anybody to understand. The penalty is really not about you. It really is about the roughly 449 players aside from yourself and the message that they take away from this penalty in an effort to keep violence out of the game, enhance the NBA brand, and to protect other players so they can come to work in a safe environment. And in this particular incidence, I think Adam Silver has a terrific opportunity to do just that. It's early in the season. You know, each team's only played a few games. On the scheme of things, you know, in March and April, uh, this game today or the games missed by players may not be as meaningful as if those players were suspended in, say, March as they're making a run for the playoff. So... It's a great opportunity. If I had to handicap handicap the penalties, uh, without question, 
Rondo and Paul are going to get multiple games. I would say in the two-game suspension to four-game suspension range. I think the heaviest penalty will come with Brandon Ingram uh, because he not only threw punches, connected punches, but he entered the altercation as the altercation was being broken up. He didn't enter as a peacemaker. And I think for that reason, he will receive the heaviest penalty, should receive the heaviest penalty, and the message should be delivered to players like Brandon Ingram and the other young players in the NBA that this will not be tolerated. So that's my account. Appreciate any comments that you have. Thought it might be interesting to just look at the incident, you know, once again, and more importantly, look at the process on how the NBA arrives at these penalties. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week on Everything Basketball.